Welcome to Connecting the Dollars, a personal finance podcast. I'm Emily Augusto, a CPA and financial advisor. And I'm Amanda Vaught, attorney and financial advisor. Both Emily and I are co-owners at Propel Financial Advisors. Propel Financial Advisors is an investment management and financial planning company. We are fee-only fiduciaries and independent registered investment advisors. I'm based in Chicago and Amanda is in New York City, but we work with clients nationwide. The purpose of our podcast is to explore personal finance topics, including budgeting, investing, behavioral finance, current events, and other helpful information. We also hope you'll get to know us along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome back from your trip. Thanks. It was so nice to be out of town. Um, And thanks to you and Danielle for recording an episode last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting and a lot of good information for people to figure out what kind of accounts they should be using for their savings. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, traveling right before Thanksgiving, I didn't anticipate this, but it was kind of nice coming back to a short week and I kind of could just ease back in. But now all of a sudden it's December and there's just so much to do and to think about in terms of financial planning and tax planning. So we are going to talk about a few things that we are looking at for our own clients, our financial advising clients. Things that that other people can do on their own if they're so inclined. Exactly. Shall we get into it? Sure. So this first thing we want to talk about is rebalancing your portfolio. If you have a financial advisor, they should be paying attention to the allocation of all of these securities in your portfolio to make sure it's in line with your financial goals and your risk tolerance. Um, and if you're not paying attention to it, it can get out of whack. And you know, if you're heading towards retirement and you see you have 90% in equities, that might be something you wanna take a look at. Yes, especially the past couple of years, the stock market has gone through the roof and the bond market has not. So um, for a lot of people, if you haven't rebalanced this past year, you're probably over potentially overweight equities. And you might want to be overweight equities. It's very personal. But like Emily just said, it all depends on your personal goals and risk tolerance for what's appropriate for you. But it's always good to check and make sure you're balanced according to those. Exactly. The next thing we want to talk about is capital gains. So this whole idea of taking tax losses or taking gains or gains harvesting, if you will. Even though the tax return is due in April, you have to do your tax planning before the end of the year, because after that, there's nothing you can do. So right now, you know, you have a month left to look at some of these tax planning issues. Exactly. When we're talking about buying and selling or trading securities, all of that has to be done by the 31st. You can't, there are some things you can do tax-wise until the tax deadline in April, but trading is one that needs to be done by December 31st. So this is something we just wanted to point out um, to remind people that you need to hold a security for at least a year before you sell it in order to qualify for those preferred capital gains rates. And also, I know there was a lot of day trading or people that may, maybe were new to Robinhood or some kind of program like that early there, earlier this year during the whole GameStop frenzy. So if you have a large gain or a potential large gain there, it might be something you want to pay a little bit more attention to this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what we call short-term gains is for something you held for less than a year 
And that will be subject to your regular income tax rate. Exactly. I think that's enough on capital gains. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that for an hour, Emily. We really could. I mean, there's a lot to look at. I mean, there oh, is. Yes. One thing we wanted to point out also with capital gains is that if you have a brokerage account that someone is managing for you and they don't know anything about your tax situation, that might be something you want to get on the same page with. Us as uh, financial advisors, we do pay attention to our client's tax situation. And if we are taking a lot of gains, we want to let them know or kind of see where they think they're going to land on their taxes this year. Or we try to sell other securities at a loss in order to offset those gains. So if you haven't had a conversation with your tax advisor or financial advisor about that topic, that might be something that you want to bring up. Yeah. And it, that ties in nicely too with the rebalancing we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. If you're rebalancing and say your rollover account or your Roth or some other tax deferred account, just the buying and selling in there isn't going to impact your tax return in the same way that, you know, buying and selling in a brokerage account is. So that's something that you or your financial advisor should be keeping in mind too, that, um, tax consequences of the trading are, are very different in a retirement account as opposed to a brokerage account. Yes, that's very true. All right. The next thing we're going to talk about is more just straight up tax planning. Um, now's a good time to take a look at your withholdings, um, like on your W-2. There's a lot of people, when you start a new job, you get a W-4, you fill it out, and then you never think about it again. And whenever I suggest to people to update withholdings um, in order to either not have a huge refund or not have a huge tax bill at the end of the year, um, a lot of people are intimidated by it. They think it's this whole thing that they have to worry about with their HR department. But in reality, it's really easy. A lot of times I'll just fill out a W-4 for them with their help and hand it to them and they can just hand it into their HR office or if you work for an, an employer that has ADP or Paychex or any of the large major payroll providers, you can usually sign up for an employee login and or it should be provided to you rather. And you can update your withholdings there. And you can do it like every month if you wanted to. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but um, it doesn't affect your employer's not affected by that. If you change your withholdings, that only affects your tax situation. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I do think some HR departments make it harder than it should be on my, when I used to work at like big firms. Um, but in the past, you know, 10 years or so, it has gotten easier because like you said, ADP, other things have gone online. It can be easier to make changes now than it used yeah. to be. Yeah. And you just have to ask. And if it is going to be a whole situation, I mean, there are other things we can do in terms of estimated payments, mm -hmm. but um, it's gotten a lot easier. And I would just add, I mean, I know some people or a lot of people, I don't know, they prefer to get a refund when they file their tax return. I mean, nobody wants to owe, but some people like to get the refund for them. It's like a fun way to get extra money. Right. But I think especially lately, the IRS is overworked. And I saw what recently, I think it was like millions of tax returns have still not been processed for 2020. So yeah. these are people who thought they were getting refunds and they still haven't gotten the refund. It's December 
you know, for a tax return they filed months and months ago. Yeah. So, you know, just lately with the IRS being so backed up, it, it's just more important than ever to get your tax situation just in order so that you're not out here waiting six months to get a refund from the IRS. Yes, that's a really good point. I heard this year was just especially crazy and it's probably still going to be crazy next year, even if there's not an extended tax season. So yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, And along with adjusting your withholdings, if you're a W-2 employer, um, if you are a freelancer or someone who receives a 1099, you definitely need to be making your estimated tax payments. I think a lot of people, Amanda was telling me earlier, she read something uh, regarding a lot of people starting new businesses this year or starting their own ventures. And so if it's something completely new to you, it's something you need to pay attention to. Um, Yes. That was in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago. It's a record number of small businesses started consulting people going out on their own, um, which is, you know, it's great if it works out, but it does introduce some new tax questions. Absolutely. So the final, let's see, the fourth quarter 2021 estimates are due January 15th. So if you are one of those people, you still have time to make an estimated payment. Um, But if you're trying to catch up for an entire year, that's going to be difficult once tax season rolls around. Maybe brace yourself for your your tax bill. Yes. Or start saving now. Mm -hmm. Next topic is retirement contributions and also HSA contributions. So in the episode that Danielle and Amanda recorded while I was out, they get really into the different types of retirement accounts and different strategies for using your 401k, your Roth, a brokerage account, or a combination of the three. So we won't get into that now, but that's a really good episode. You should go back and listen to it. And I was just going to say we can link it in the show notes, but I, I mean, I would just add to that for most people saving for retirement, the 401k is the main vehicle they use. And for most people, the 401k is not going to be sufficient. You do need to supplement with a Roth or a brokerage account or an HSA could be a great option too, if you're eligible for that. That's one account that Danielle and I didn't get into in the last uh, episode about different types of accounts. But the HSA is if you have a high deductible Um, health insurance plan. Mm -hmm. You can use what's called an HSA or a health savings account. Um, Those are great for having, um, but because of their tax advantages, because your money can grow tax-free when you withdraw it later, you don't have to pay income tax on it. Um, You just, you can only use that money to pay for qualifying health expenses. And so ideally, you can put money in it and then not use that money to pay for health expenses today. And you save that money to use for your health expenses in your retirement. Yep. Yes. We love HSAs. They're really can be a really helpful tool for tax planning and then also for paying for your medical expenses. Um, Going back to retirement contributions really quick. A lot of people have received raises this year, like a one or 2% or maybe even more due to inflation. Um, And if you haven't increased your retirement contributions, that's definitely something you should think about. So give your your future self a raise is kind of the idea behind that. Yeah, that's a great point. 
And also with tax planning, there's been a lot of talk about Roth conversions and backdoor Roths in the upcoming potential tax bill. So we don't quite know exactly what's going to happen there, but now would be a good time if you are someone who is thinking about doing a Roth conversion or contributing directly to a Roth, what your options are. Yes, for sure. It's hard. You can't, you can't plan around a tax bill that may or may not pass. Exactly. Um, so it's hard to say what you should or shouldn't do, but I would definitely keep your eye on that tax legislation if this could potentially affect you. That's yeah. what we're, well, we're keeping an eye on it, especially because this impacts a number of our clients. Yeah. All right. On to the next year end charitable gifts. Back in 2017, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act changed the way that we utilize the standard deduction on tax returns. It made it a lot higher, so probably about 90% of my clients take the standard deduction now, where it used to be more like a 50-50 split. And basically, one of the, the biggest changes uh, for people that no longer itemize is that they couldn't deduct charitable charitable gifts, charitable contributions. So in, in 2020, um, as part of the CARES Act, people were able to deduct $300 per tax return of charitable donations. And in 2021, it is now updated to $300 per person. So if you're married filing jointly, you can deduct $600 of charitable gifts, charitable cash contributions to official 501c3 organizations. So it can't, unfortunately, it can't be like a GoFundMe to an individual. It has to be to a charitable organization. And also along the lines of charitable giving, there is a thing called a QCD, Qualified Charitable Deduction. So if you are someone who is required to take minimum distributions, so these are people over 70 and a half or over 72, depending on when you turn that age, um, you need to start taking these distributions from your retirement accounts every year. And a lot of people don't need the money necessarily if you are still working or if you just have um, other sources of income like a pension and you don't necessarily need this money to live off of. This could be a really good option because it not only it doesn't count towards your income and raise your taxable income, which can affect your social security or your healthcare.gov premiums. It's also completely deductible, even if you don't itemize your deductions. Kind of a double benefit yeah. there. Yeah, that's great. That's a great thing to take advantage of. Okay, another another option you can think about if you're um, charitably inclined is to use what's called a donor advised fund. So this is great if you would like to give a large sum of money to a charity, say you've held a stock for 50 years and you've made a ton of money on it. Um, if you sell that stock, then you'll have to pay taxes on it from your gains. But you could instead use what's called a donor advised fund where you could just donate the security directly to the charity. And then you will um, be able to give the charity more and you'll pay less taxes. Yep. I feel like I should say that is not tax advice. That is just for informational purposes only. Yes, right? absolutely. We got to keep our disclaimers in there, right, Emily? Yes, we do. Okay. All right. Our last thing on this list is college savings. So you can do this obviously any time of year, but since we're in the holiday season, we thought it would be a good idea to mention this. If you have a family member or even a friend who you want to give them a gift, um, but you don't want it to just be, I don't know, 
a $50 check or a $100 check, you can open a 529 for them and contribute to it on their behalf. Yes. And then if you do that, you just name them the beneficiary and you put in your $50, $100, whatever the case may be. And then you get the tax deduction if a tax deduction is available in your state. Yes. And I believe I believe it's 38 states out of 50 offer a tax deduction for a 529 contribution. Also, Amanda put together some cute PDFs in case you didn't want to do this option. They're little gift card um, certificates, I guess, and you can download them on our website. We'll put the link in our show notes. Well, I think yeah. we're coming to the end already. Yeah, I hope... Um, you know, our listeners found some of these suggestions useful. If they do implement any of these or have questions about them, I hope they reach out and let us know. We'd love to hear feedback. Well, thanks, Amanda. Talk to you next time. Okay. Thanks, Emily. For all links and resources mentioned today, head over to connectingthedollars.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.